This is the Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. Hi, and welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Anna Blake, and I'm the youth pastor here at Southridge Church. Joining us today is our Next Steps and Discipleship Pastor, Cheryl Ross. Cheryl got to lead us in the final week of our series, No Offense, where we are learning how to be unoffendable in a culture that is constantly offended. And so this final week, if you haven't um, caught up, you can always find the clips on our YouTube channel. Just go to S. R-C-W-V, and you will find us there. So right here, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you do so and share with a friend. You never know if the extra point is exactly the step that they needed to take in their faith journey as well. So as we dive into this extra point, um, Cheryl, if you could, just to get us started, give us a, a synopsis, if you will, of what we heard from you on Sunday, and then we'll look for some extra points to pluck out of that. How's that sound? Okay. Um, Yeah, the big thing, the kind of key idea is to not allow yourself to lose sight of who you are because you are looking at those around you as either competition or someone that you need to be better than or like one up. It's all about remembering who you are, the purpose and identity and calling and role within God that God has placed within you, for you, as you, and not looking to anyone else for um, what who you should be. Yeah, that was really powerful. I felt like um, as a person who has come up in a society where there's winners, there's losers, mm-hmm. um, not everybody's the winner, um, and you're not always the loser either. There's a lot of um, there can be a lot of tension around that idea of what somebody else has versus what I have in comparison, mm-hmm. and it can lead us to moments of discouragement. Yeah. And so one of the um, comments you made, it really stuck with me. I unfortunately wasn't able to be here in the space, in the room um, on Sunday as you taught, but I listened online, and um, you said something about there is a, a method we can use to mm-hmm. discover if we are actually experiencing what was called phantom discouragement, will you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, so the idea of phantom discouragement comes from Ryan Leake's book called Unoffendable, No Offense, None Taken. And he talks throughout the book about how we are going to be offended in life, but it's about how to not stay offended. Hmm. And so he talks about comparison and this idea of phantom discouragement being um, something where when it's, something that somebody says about somebody else around you and you instantly become discouraged by that instead of realizing that they're not trying to discourage you. It's not really discouragement that just because they encourage somebody else doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they're discouraging you. Um, But so the way to really kind of tell if you have that is to see and gauge how you react when somebody else who does what you do gets complimented. Mm. Or when, you know, when somebody else, you know, gets gets the, the reward or the accolade or the whatever for the very thing that you do or that you're wanting to do. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes we don't do that yet, but we're like trying to yeah. um, or we want to. Then when you hear and see that, how you react and how you respond, your internal dialogue 
um, is a really good way to, to test and see, because if you instantly go to, you know, those negative thoughts about Mm -hmm. that person or about whatever, like, then you can realize that you have that, like a problem in that area. Yeah, I wonder, and you didn't say this, this just came into my mind, so forgive me if this is way off course. Um, I wonder if that works in the in a little bit of a, a negative way, too, in mm-hmm. the sense of when something bad happens to mm-hmm. someone who does the same thing as yes. you, how yeah. do you respond? Yeah. Like whenever they get negative news or when they lose their job or when they lose their yeah. position or even, Lord forbid, they lose their family, mm-hmm. What? how do you respond? Like mm-hmm. does that say something more about who you are yeah. and your internal um, uh, the way that you view yourself and others mm-hmm. and God versus then just like seeing someone outside of your lane. Mm-hmm. And I just, I yeah. wonder if that is. No, I think that's a really good thought because, um, cause really the idea is that we should be able to see others and ourselves, um, be confident in those things, but like be empathetic towards one another, like to where when somebody has something good happen, you should be able to celebrate with yeah. them. When something bad happens, we should be able to be there with them in the trenches and like mourn with them, yeah. you know, to, to feel that loss with them and to understand where they're coming from or what they may be feeling in that. But if instead when they have that bad thing happen and you're like, yeah, you deserve that. Like, oh my goodness, you yeah. know what right. I mean? Or right. like, like, oh, yeah, I know. I knew they should have asked me to speak instead because, you know, instead they asked her and now mm-hmm. she flopped. And, you know, you're thinking all of those things. Yeah, it can definitely, wow. definitely yeah. be um, in that way, too. Wow, it's pretty crazy. Um, so in the story that you shared, when it comes to being um, unoffendable mm-hmm. in the last part of our series, you talked about this relationship between Saul mm-hmm. and David. Um, are there some extra points you feel like we could pull out of that even beyond what we heard on Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the storyline between Saul and David to, to catch those of you up is that, you know, Saul, he, he was the first King of Israel, Mm -hmm. right? And he's, he was anointed, but he had some, some roots of insecurity and Mm -hmm. some, some trouble, like really feeling confident in that role to begin with. To where then when he messed up along the way, like he and he'd been rejected, God decided he needed to anoint the next king in line. And so mm-hmm. David was actually going to be the next king in line, even though David wasn't Saul's son or, you know, descended yeah, lineage, from Saul. Yeah. Because they were kind of basing the whole reason Israel wanted a king in the first place is because they were looking at the nations around them mm-hmm. and they wanted to be like the other nations, mm-hmm. which is something to think about, too, because like God wanted them to look at him as their reign, like as the person that should reign and rule over them, not anybody else, but they're looking at all these other nations around them and begin to compare. So then they want a king. And um, Samuel is even the one who has to tell them and explain to them, listen, if you want a king, you have to understand that these things could happen to you. Um, That a king is going to not be as merciful as God, that a king could could take your land, could take the things from you as easy as he could give it and understand that because he's not God and he doesn't have that mercy, then these things might not always go well for you, but the people still wanted a king. Mm -hmm. And so um, God tells Samuel like, hey, there's this this son who comes from a, a wealthy and influential man and he's the most handsome of all of Israel. He's head and shoulders taller than anybody else. I can't even imagine that. I'm short in case you don't know. Um, 
I don't, I'm pretty sure everybody who knows me knows that, but I'm pretty short. So like, I'm like head and shoulders lower than everybody. But I look at that and I read that and I'm like, why on earth would this guy be insecure at all? Like based on looks alone, but we all know that there's always more behind the scenes, like more than what you see on the outside going on. And with his dad being wealthy and influential, like I just can't help to think that there's probably was a lot of that, those feelings of needing to measure up Mm. to the dad, you know, needing to measure up or be good enough for the dad. And, and so I wonder like what kind of things like that happened in his life to where whenever Samuel comes to him and tells him, you know, that you're going to be made king. He's like, why are, wait, why are you saying this to me? Like I'm from the least of the tribe. I'm from the, you know, there's, there's like, we're the lowest of all. Like, why would you say this to me? So Samuel tells him that there are going to be some signs. There's going to be some things that are going to happen and he'll understand. And these signs are fulfilled. As soon as Saul Mm -hmm. actually leaves Samuel's house to return back to his home, because Saul ran into Samuel because he had gone out and he had like his dad lost donkeys, like donkeys got away. Right. So he's with somebody and they're out like searching for the donkeys. And the, the guys was like, Hey, there's a prophet of God. Like we should go ask him. They call him a seer in this passage. That's something um, that a language, like a word that they would use to describe a prophet because they believe they could see and hear from God and all these things. They're like, what, let's go visit him. And they go and they don't even have anything to offer him, like, which was something that like Saul was like, wait, I don't, I don't, we don't even have anything to give him for this. And so they go and he's, he's told all these things. And when he leaves, all of this happens, like all the, every single sign that Samuel says will happen happens. But even with all of that, he still struggles with with it to the point where he's hiding among the baggage when they come and they cast lots he's hiding among the baggage doesn't want to step out doesn't want to come out and say hey yeah here I am I'll be king um and I'm sure like there was probably a lot of they hadn't ever had a king before you know what I mean so like I want to I want to like talk bad about Saul but at the same in the same instance I'm like they'd never had a king before And no matter what family pedigree you have or, like, what wealth you have or whatever, like, that is um, probably pretty pretty daunting to step into. Um, But I just find it so interesting that even throughout it, because there there are some naysayers that happen after that. Like, there are some people that are like, I can't believe Saul was chosen. Like... I, I yeah. just can't help but wonder what his character was like, what he yeah. was actually like um, to to think this. Because there's this phrase that comes out from where, like, one of the signs was that he would prophesy, right? And he prophesies, and people see him, and they're like, what is this? Is, oh, even, yeah. <laughs> is even Saul a prophet? Like, yeah. and it's this phrase that becomes so popular. Mm-hmm. It, like, was used for years and years, like, decades, yeah. like, is even Saul a prophet? Like, so was he like the rebel, you know what I mean? The like kid who always did the wrong things because even within it, um, it says that God gave him a new heart within this text. And when I, when I studied this with my women's Bible study, I was like, that's really fascinating to me. Um, because it's like this transformation happens within Saul in that moment too. Like it's not just, yeah, Hey, you're going to become King, but there's some internal work that's happening within him as well. 
Um, but then when we pick up the storyline where he becomes um, jealous of David, this guy that he mm-hmm. doesn't know, who has helped him defeat this enemy that they have been up against for days, and nobody was brave enough to go up against Goliath, right? Like, But here's David, this young man who comes and um, helps defeat Goliath, and then they defeat the Philistines. And whenever they're coming back, he becomes angry yeah. with David and jealous of him. Yeah. Well, the people's chant didn't help much. No, <laughs> probably not. Yelling, yes. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. Yes. That doesn't make you feel too good. Right. And I can't, when you were recounting Saul's early um, arrival in the, in the scriptures and what we mm-hmm. kind of meet him at first, it makes me wonder if um, those insecurities aren't the exact thing that carries mm-hmm. him into his future of oh. rage, anger, hatred, absolutely um, offensive behaviors, mm-hmm. um, because that is, seems to be something that he's had early on, yeah. maybe undealt with, reminds me of the previous week's yeah. teachings. Absolutely. Again, if you haven't yeah. listened to the previous weeks, this is your chance. Mm-hmm. Um, go back and listen, uh, because as long as those root things are there, mm-hmm. It's going to be difficult, mm-hmm. not impossible, but very yeah. difficult for us yeah. to navigate living unoffended Yeah. whenever we get um, compared to others. Yeah, and absolutely. And this is where, like, the hiding among the baggage and stuff that I was talking about, like, comes into play so much because his problem wasn't with David. Mm-hmm. His problem was actually with himself. Yeah. Because in the very beginning, he he was, you know— not wanting to step into that role that God was calling him to do. But he actually was there, very present with David whenever David stepped into that role. Like David, this young man who's just coming to bring sandwiches to his brothers. And, you know, like as a young shepherd boy, um, like Saul, it takes some convincing even for Saul to allow him to go up against Goliath because he's like, no, like, you're young, you don't, you're not a warrior, like what? And, yeah. and, and David has to say, but I have fought off, you know, I've fought off the lion and I fought off bears and I've yeah. done these things. Like I have done some things, even though it looks different than what you guys are doing now. Yeah. I have done some things that prepared me for this. And he has seen David step into a role very easily, like full of courage, mm. brave, some like confidence. full yeah. of confidence yeah. And he's probably seen, like, he saw all that, and then he hears these things about yeah. David, too. And he's like, man, like, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think I think that I that's, that. more often than not, that's our struggle is because when we see it or we hear it, like, we wonder why we have the trouble doing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, it took me a long time to get up here on a stage and speak. Like when I interviewed, I was children's pastor before. And when I interviewed for the position, the pastor asked me, would you ever speak to adults? And I said, nope. (laughs) He said, you wouldn't. And I said, I mean, if I had to, sure. But like adults are judgmental. Like kids can, you know, they, they may judge you for a moment, but they'll be cool with you in two seconds. Like I I was like, I, I really don't want to, like, I much, I'm much more comfortable with kids. And so then for a long time, I felt when I started feeling like I was supposed to speak to adults, I thought I'd never get the chance because I was like, I, 
I told him I never wanted to, you know? And so then when I saw a close friend of mine get asked to speak multiple times in a row, Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, when are they going to ask me? Yeah. Why couldn't I have just said, yes, sure, at some point, maybe not right now, but at some point, like, why did I phrase it the way, nope, never, I don't ever want to, you know? And so my problem was never with, like, my friend, like, I, in that moment, it wasn't her it wasn't even the people who were asking her Mm -hmm. it was the fact that I was frustrated with myself that I hadn't said hey I'm feeling like maybe I'm supposed to speak to adults I know I told you that I never wanted to but maybe I'm actually supposed to do this I think God's calling me to do something different or to step into that next thing for me and so I was frustrated with myself more than anybody else. Yeah. Man, that's so good. I think that this series as a whole has been so challenging because mm-hmm. um, even as we've been going through this series, I've been meeting with our group at our home and um, just talking even with other folks. And this is tough. Mm-hmm. This is not easy work. It's not easy to live unoffended. Mm-hmm. And it takes a real check in our spirit to Mm -hmm. say, am I actually keeping my focus on God? Mm -hmm. Because the more that we see who God is, the more we can see who we are and who others are. And I think that that might Mm be part of the situation there with David and Samuel. I felt like David had at the time an accurate view Mm -hmm. of himself Mm -hmm. from God and was able to step into those things without thinking he was offending anybody or or hurting anyone in any way where it looks like as if Saul did not see Mm -hmm. himself the way God saw him. Mm -hmm. um, And that caused some struggle within his own Mm -hmm. spirit. Um, I just have been so challenged by that in Mm -hmm. this whole series of seeing ourselves Mm -hmm. the way God sees us, seeing others the way God sees them, um, spending that time with God, Mm -hmm. seeking him regularly in a way that we're able to um, go through life Mm -hmm. without constantly living in offense or being offended because that's just not a life full of joy and hope and love that Mm -hmm. God promises us as a life in Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just been a really cool series. I'm so glad that you wrapped it up for us. Is there any um, last thoughts or anything before we close out Mm -hmm. um, today? Yeah, I think it's just remembering to really you're going to have some negative thoughts along the way mm-hmm. here. You're, you're not going to be perfect. Right. Okay. You're, you're going to have offense. You're going to have some negative thoughts. You're going to have those feelings and maybe that question of why not me? Why not us? Why him? Why her? You're going to have that, but it's, it's that idea of not staying there. I think yeah, that's why I enjoyed that good, book yeah. by Ryan Leake so well is because it's the idea of not staying there, like doing that work that mm-hmm. takes to, replace those thoughts Mm -hmm. with the positive ones to choose to celebrate even when you don't feel like it to choose to to join in the celebration and be happy for that person even when your initial thing is not there Mm -hmm. to realize that just because they have this or they got that or they got the thing you want or um or are succeeding in this area that that you desire to succeed in or whatever it is to just choose to celebrate them and understand and trust. Like if you're going to trust God with your eternity, trust God with his timeline. Yeah. Trust God with his provision along the way. Like, um, to, to understand that what you need more than what you do, um, 
because I think that sometimes I said, you know, your responsibilities don't always match your abilities. Yeah. Like, and I said that sometimes it can happen if we rush into something and force our way into something that is before it's time. Mm. Um, like I can look back and know that the, that initial time of me feeling like I was supposed to be stepping into that, that teaching adults or speaking to adults thing. Um, I know that like that whole time before I finally did was literally God preparing me for that. Um, the, the way that the curriculum that I use for kids was laid out, helped me understand and, and know how to really build a teaching from scripture. It allowed me to see that year after year script at week after week to be able to see like, okay, they're taking this scripture and they're tying it in this with one key idea to kind of present to people. And it kind of gave me that foundation before I ever stepped foot on a stage where we kind of do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me a lot of good basics and foundational things that I needed and a lot of confidence and knowing how to, to, to speak and not be distracted by what's going on in the room, especially when you're with kids. Um, that's why I can get on a stage and whatever kid is doing, whatever, it doesn't bother me because I did it for years. Um, when for other people, it might be really, really difficult or distracting, but all of those things really were preparing me for when it was time for me to do the thing that I was feeling like was the next step. And so just trusting in God's timing within it and trusting that along the way until it is time to look at those moments in that time as something that is useful as well. Mm. Like seeing what you can learn, what you can get from those moments, um, you know, to, to know, okay, what is it you're trying to teach me in this? Like, during my the beginning of my year last year and my sabbatical, it was like really one of those things like, God, what, what are you trying to teach yeah. me in this? Like, am I, are you just trying to teach me to just, you know, fully surrender my will to yours and what you would have me to do? Like, I remember I knelt down at that altar over there one week. I was praying for my mom, but then I threw in a prayer for me as well. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, God, I was like, if I never speak again, yeah. if you never want me to speak or teach or preach again, okay, but help me be okay with it. Yeah. Like help me to know what it is that you want me to do instead. Yeah. And that was a hard prayer because it was kind of that moment of was, it was like, are you going to be enough? Yeah. If I don't ever get to do the thing that I maybe think I want to do, Mm -hmm. am I going to trust you in that? Am I going to be okay in that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you have that choice and that's, that's a hard place to get to. But within that, like what happened is the very following week, my friend called me up and was like, hey, um, I'm going to need you to speak at this event next year. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking wow. a year, you know, yeah. but it was one of those moments that it was just God kind of confirming again, hey, I have opportunities for you. I have moments that are for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Trust me in that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Um, so as we just wrap up another episode of the Extra Point podcast, I just want to challenge you to consider what areas of your life can you get a little more clarity in the way that God sees the situation? How can you, what kind of questions can you ask God? What kind of questions can you ask 
um, those in your life that you trust to take you to that next step, that level that God wants to see you at. Maybe it's a level of learning. Maybe it's a level of leading. Whatever that looks like, God is not done with you. Mm -hmm. He wants to continue to work in your life and change you to be more like who he is calling you to be. And so join us next week with our new series on Sunday, and we will um, break it down on the next Extra Point. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.